Thank you for flying mad lads. X's can be found at the front and rear of the podcast. Your pilots know nothing more than you, nor should you think they do. We are just clueless as the rest of you. Please put all tray tables and seat backs in their upright positions for takeoff. This podcast does cuss, and we fucking mean it, so we do recommend 16 and above. Please fasten all seatbelts until we have turned off the seatbelt sign. During the flight, many topics may be discussed and many ideas may be shared. None of which should be taken as fact or even the person's actual belief, but merely a debatable viewpoint. Thank you for flying Mad Lads, and we hope you enjoy the cast. Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of Mad Lads, where we get our very first interview. We have a special guest with us today, Mr. Jared Pagan. Hi, Jared. We are are also joined, as usual, by our awesome, awesome co-host with myself, uh, Mr. AG Developer, our uh, never-ending engineer. What's up? And Mr. Clickit, the best co-pilot ever. Hey, hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to the stream. Now, for those of you who don't live in the Midwest, uh, Mr. Jared Pagan was part of a band called Surface who did uh, some touring regionally and uh, locally. How far did you guys go out? What's the farthest place? Uh, New York to L.A. Coast to coast. There you go. I mean, um, but we're not talking, you know, event sevenfold, of course, but you no. you, you made it out of, out of out of your hometown, which is... More than a lot of bands can fucking say. Dude, we did more than some, but yeah, we had fun though. Yeah. Good stuff. I I think, um, I mean, everybody kind of hears from big bands, what they go through, tour buses, groupies, all that crap. We've seen a a lot of documentaries. What I don't think is... You've seen the good documentary. That's not the way it always is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the dream situation. It's like, man, come on, please give me groupies. I just want some people backstage. Like, let's go. They make documentaries of the good ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think we get to see, you know, your level. The people who are really pounding the pavement. I don't think people realize. I don't know if it's still the same. But I remember a time hanging out with bands, hanging out uh, back when you guys were playing, where uh, event organizers would not only make you guys sell tickets to get paid, but then you would only get a portion of the door from the tickets that you sold. Oh, that happened all the time. Uh, you know, like they would make you, they'd give you a hundred tickets. Actually, they'd give you like 50 tickets. They, it wasn't a lot. Then you pay them for it and they, well, you can keep 10 tickets worth of money. Right. You know, there's some of them would say, we don't care what you sell them for, but you got to sell these tickets. We need at least 10 bucks a ticket, 50 ticket or whatever it would be. But you can go out there and sell them for 20 bucks if you wanted to. It didn't matter. As long as you gave them their cut, they were fine. Mm. But yeah, they they would always they'd always take their cuts. Man, that's uh, that's a little crazy. Um, some know. of the times it's shitty, but some of the shows are good. It was worth it. You know, you go out there and you're playing for seven hundred people. I, it's hard for me to book that kind of show by myself. I always have to go through a promoter anyway, so I might as well pay this guy to give me the tickets, or I pay the promoter to put me on the show. True. You know. Well. I I think that also, you know, we see the glory from big bands, but we don't see what it takes before you get found. Uh, you guys sleep in vans? Uh, oh, I got all kinds of good good stories of van stories. 
Okay, <laughs> we're we're gonna get into some of these because I'm gonna ask some of your favorites. We are gonna talk about that. Uh, what I guess I want to start off by by asking, what advice would you give people who want to be in a band, and not for the money, but for the love of the music? But they they want to get big enough for people to hear them. How do they make that happen outside of just hard work? How do you keep the band together without fighting? You guys stayed together for years. 18 years. 18, 18 years. I, my kid's not even that old yet. Yeah. Oh, well, that is a <laughs> tenure right there. Yep. You know, and bands uh, fall apart it, and tear apart. How did you guys do it? We... We just had good camaraderie. We were good with each other. We we respected each other's points of view on the music. Everybody was a piece of it. Um, and it worked out. We were all mature musicians. We weren't just like kids out of high school that just wanted to sit around and party. We already had that time. You know, that was our first few bands for all of us. Uh, we did all, we did the whole getting drunk every show, getting drunk every practice, you know, the drugs. It, it was just it was just that was what we did and then we got into surface which was the end of that tale and then surface kind of picked up and we kind of matured a little bit more and we're like dude we really got i think we got to take it serious man these people over here like us right it's like shit <laughs> we got to take advantage of this man them two girls over there like the show but but yeah it was uh that's when it kind of hit and surface started playing out out of the state which kind of drew it more it was like New places to play. Fuck yeah, it's awesome. Then you move Hell to yeah. the next state over, and it's like, oh, we got somewhere new to play. All right, cool. Hey, why don't you come play over here in, in New York? <laughs> All right. So then it just became a shit. Ten years of playing shows. Yeah, being being mature. Kinda. I mean, and 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 I have to say, as not somebody who was in the band, but I mean, I I hung out with the entire band on a regular basis, and yeah. every one of you guys were just the most humble awesome just the guy you meet at the bar who wants to have a good time and that that's that's the key to staying together though we didn't have that asshole we didn't have to worry about somebody getting too fucked up or ruining something over here or you know taking off and not coming back for the show or too drunk to play the show we were just cool level-headed people yeah I, I mean, I, I would say so. No, you were. I, I always loved well, going to your shows, not just for the my, music, but my guys, guys were, my guys were cool too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt, our bass player, which he, he was like the dad. You start getting a little out of hand. He's like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I had him go up to some kid at, at Pierre's, a, a local place around here. And a uh, kid's buying me shots, shot after shot after shot. Finally, Matt walks up to him, looks at him, and says, you buy him one more fucking shot, I'm going to kick your ass. Kid looks at me, and he's like, dude, your bass player says he's going to kick my ass. I was like, fuck it, let's go do a shot. <laughs> <laughs> that kid was so scared, man. He had no idea what was going oh, on. Matt's all pissed off. I'm like, don't worry about him. Just buy me a shot. Come on. But, yo, how cool is your bass player, though, for having your back like that? You know, we need more people like that. Very, very cool. He, he was, like I said, he was the dad of the bunch. He took care of us. Good. So. Didn't he um sub for somebody um big? It, uh, the band Reigns. Yeah, yeah, Reigns. I actually know Jeff. Yep. Uh, yep. I actually hired Jeff to be a tattoo artist at my tattoo shop. I don't know if you know that. I know that. He worked for me for about six, seven months. Uh, Jeff Reigns is another guy I'd love to have on here because um, he's done all kinds of crazy shit, yeah, too. He got hooked up with the right person and uh, called our bass player. He's like, hey, I need a bass player to go out with. 
I think it was Hatebreed, All That Remains, and Five Figure Death Punch. Yeah. Yo, All That Remains. So they, What's going on? So they got, they got, yeah, they got thrown on that tour, and Eggman was gone for like a year, and that kind of killed the vibe of Surface. You know, at first I was like, man, go out there, get your foot in the door, you know, help us out a little bit. But Jeff never saw eye to eye with Surface. So Matt wasn't allowed to talk about Surface. He wasn't allowed to bring Surface CDs on the bus. He wasn't allowed to really push it. So I was like, man, fuck it, man. Just, you know, when you're out there, you know, he, he became really good friends with Ollie, the guitar player for right. All the Remains. So I was like, man, when you're talking to Ollie, man, just throw him a CD. Like, I will, I will, but I don't want to get kicked off the tour. The dad figure trying to be the good guy. Like, fuck it, man. Give him a fucker CD. Yeah, just but, put it under their pillow like a freaking tooth fairy. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, he went out with Jeff for a while. And uh, like I said, and then he came back and then just kind of momentum. Yeah. Kind of like, 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 I love Jeff, but Jeff is a hard ass. I mean, he'll, he'll straight tell you he is. He's, did you know his middle finger has its own Facebook page? Oh, I'm sure it does. It's like does. nine foot fucking long. Yeah, it's insane. He's, it, I'm not fucking bullshitting or exaggerating. Jeff Raines' middle finger has it. Jeff's you middle finger. The, you look at this guy playing guitar and his fingers, I swear to God, they're, they're fucking... It's insane. insane. It's insane. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's a hard ass. I love him, though, you know. He's a worker. He's a he's worker. A worker. And he knows what he wants, and he doesn't give a shit if he steps on anybody's toes to get his. You know? True. When you, you put it that way, have... Matt, it actually seems kind of rare to have someone that, one, has vision, two, has the gall to just, like, actually enforce it and then, like, be a worker as well. Like, there's, those three. There's, there's a professional line, though, and sometimes Jeff crosses it. Yeah, yeah. Jeff knows he's a dick. He does. So he, he, he'll push that to you, and he doesn't care. He doesn't. He doesn't. I, if, if he ever listens to this, he's not going to be mad. He knows who he is. We know who he is. Yeah. I still love him. But uh, yeah, he took he took the bass player and went out on the road and yeah, that's kind of the end of surface, huh? Yeah, yeah. I showed uh, I showed my boys some music videos, <laughs> and I I told them their homework was to listen to both your albums. Oh shit! Did you guys do your homework? Uh I kind of forgot. Um, I got it was, his birth- <laughs> it was his birthday. I can give him a break. <laughs> that's my excuse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In uh, in my defense, uh, I I didn't see them like in the like I I didn't have them like pinned or something, so that was my mistake. I I, I didn't do it, but I'm gonna I'm be gonna upfront be about it. But we we sat for like an hour and watched a bunch of the videos. Oh, you yeah. are so young. Oh, dude, I was a baby. Oh my god, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have to look at them again. You realize I was over thirty though. Were you? <laughs> what well, are you know? Why well, I, I would not have known by watching those videos. I turned forty eight this year. Is wow, we're getting old, dude. We're getting really old. A little bit. Yeah, I'm 39 in a couple months. Are you really? I wow, am. let's go. Damn, dude, I just turned 37 this year myself. Dude, my my wife is 52 this year, in a few days, and she she all the time looks at me and goes, "I keep forgetting how young you are," because I don't act it. You don't act <laughs> it. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't look old though either, man. It's. You got this thing with the, the devil chin. The only thing that's different is right here. That yeah. little white streak. <laughs> yeah, I never would have guessed that you were actually older than me, Mad. Like, you know, I thought you we were either the same or you were younger, like maybe 35 or 34. 83. I'm, I am like just at the end of Gen X. 85. Let's go, baby. 74. Oh, my God. 
My wife is 70, yeah. So wow. you grew up with listening to excellent music then? Well, I don't know about that. I grew up, and when I first started listening to music, I lived in Puerto Rico, so it was like uh, Ricky Martin. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and what was it? Menudo. Menudo. Oh, my God. I haven't heard that name since 1987. Yeah. No, it yeah, was I the did. first boy band. Don't at me. When, <laughs> when I started getting into music, it was the good music, but it was all like thrash metal. I was big into Gorilla Biscuits. Uh, sick of it all. Name dropping. It, those are the those are the bands that I like. I, I was uh, you know, what my first show was against all authority at the back door. Really? Remember the back door? I do remember the back door? So for those that don't know, uh, back door was um a club. If you call it that. So it was it was a yeah. garage built onto a back of a tattoo shop, and the, the tattoo, tattoo owners were also music lovers, and um. Yeah, just come play at my spot. Why not? Basically, no, they would. Pack, we're talking like four or five hundred kids would be there, and we're talking about punk rock bands like the Migraines played there, Bad Brains played there. Bad Brains, crazy. that's another good one. Oh my god, it was so good. I do remember that place. All right, so we're gonna get into story time with Jared. Okay, Jared. Okay. Story time. Question: yeah. Who was in the studio? Everybody contributed, but obviously there has to be someone who's guiding the stream. Who was that? That was I. You kind of guided me. how it all edited together and sounded at I, the end? I wrote probably, I, I'm going to say, probably wrote 90% of the song, of all the songs, and then they would throw the ideas on top of them. You know, so I never, I never wrote a complete song because I wanted everybody. But I would bring the riffs, I would bring the chorus lines, I'd bring the vocals to them. And then we, I would lay down what I had, and then everybody would be like, well, let's change this and do this here. And then the drummer would come in and lay his drums on it. Uh, Ivan, Ivan yeah. would just spin his shit over top, you know, and do his thing. So it kind of worked out that way. But I was kind of like the main director of how everything went, and I, the songwriter. Gotcha. Um, what to you is the hardest part? Lyrics? The, the, for me... I, you know what? Ever since I learned to um, to play and to sing at the same time, I can't write without doing both. Hmm. You know, I might have a riff or a lyrical riff, but I can't create a song without sitting there with my guitar and a pen and paper. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I can do it pretty much either way. If I if I have a riff in my head, I'll sing along to it. Or if I have lyrics, I'll sit down and I'll write something that matches the lyric, like the, the pattern I like. But the hardest part for me, right now anymore, the hardest part is my vocals, because I think I've written my vocal out. You know, I've written so many songs that, that it's like, I don't have anything else to write about. It all kind of sounds like it's coming from the same place? Yeah, it's like this, this new song sounds like the, one, the same vocal style, or the meanings of the song are the same as this over here. So I, and and I'm just so out of it anymore of writing that I just go back and revert right back to what I used to write to. Hmm. So now it's like well, I need something new, but I haven't really done it. See, what um, I'm wondering is how do you get the ideas for what to write? Does it just come to you, or you know, are you looking at your past, or kind of how do you get those ideas? The the song itself. Um, a lot of times, like when I when I'm playing a riff there's certain notes in that riff that just kind of stem like a, like an, they might give you like a, a pissed off feel. 
it's hard. It's kind of hard for a musician to really explain it. Or maybe like a touch of memory reminds you of something. It, it will. There, there's just little bits of like nuances in the in the in the material that you just start thinking about it. Like, man, that that was a cool little thing. It just reminded me of this. Bam! And all of a sudden, that whole song reminds you that how you know your parents split up and and left you on the side of the road. You know, and then it's like, oh, that 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 song could bring that out. You know, and then you start pushing for that. Or you write something that has a happy note in it, and you're like, "Oh man, that's why I met my wife." You know, that's mm. cool. It, it, just different nuances actually trigger different feelings, and then your feelings just come alive. And it's like, "Oh shit, I'm pissed off at this one. I'm mad at this one. I'm happy at this one. You know, I'm, I'm excited for this." So just it, yeah, it's just in whatever note you actually hit. And it's actually interesting that you mentioned how it kind of like brings forth those memories because it's been even shown with people that have like dementia and stuff like that, when they play certain music that they were fond of when they were like in their youth, they can actually can trigger memories and like bring part of their past self like kind of back to the surface. Mm. So like music is deep. Well. Yeah, yeah, music and memories and everything, it, it, it goes much deeper than just what we're listening to. Yeah. I yeah, it, it, it was it was easy to write when you're in a kind of a, you're, you're, pissed off all the time you're a pissed off kid that actually brings me to something do you think that's why so many artists have so many problems you know we hear about um great artists i'll bring up one that is a very big extreme um, lost profits lost profits great band on a great path doing great things and then he's a pedophile right yep. Uh, you have people like Kurt Cobain, obviously, drugs and everything. Uh, Lane Staley. We, we could go on and on about people who have died, um, not only from drugs and shit, but look at Chris Cornell and people who have committed suicide. Do yeah. you think, because I know my best poetry and music comes when I am either the shittiest, at the lowest. I, I, I write things that really matter to me at that point. Uh, do you feel that... Not only do others see that, but then they try to chase it and continue to be in that darkness. I think a lot of it with like with like people like you know Chester Pennington, Chris Cornell, they, from what I see, I don't know how that because I don't know them personally. But when you just look from an outsider in, you see them writing about their pain. You see them writing about it, but nobody ever responds to it. They respond to the music and they're like, "Man, it's a great song. It's a great song. I love your band. I love your band." Groupies coming in wanting to sleep with them, people wanting to party with them, but nobody going and saying, "Dude, that song you wrote, man, what happened to make you write that song?" So people love the song that they wrote about the time he got molested by his grandfather, you know. But nobody asked him about it. So, so no, that's yeah, deep. He gets he gets the the help inside from singing it and being able to express himself, but still never tell you actually what happened. And and especially with the stardom, I'm sure he feels even more alone. You know, we all know about the the top of the mountain. You're by yourself, and somebody like Chester, uh, Lincoln Park, especially at that time, that's the pinnacle. He was alone, and so he not only has his story out there, but nobody it maybe appears to him gets it or cares. All they want is his stardom, the band. The I think that's that's one of the biggest things with them they get the i mean even with actors you look at, look at robin williams and i mean and i'm talking all within recent times of death you know, right but i'm sure this has been many many years <clears throat> but they they 
get out their frustrations, but they never actually tell you the frustration. They never actually get to sit down with somebody and say, look, this is what it is. This is how it goes. Because nobody ever asks that. They're just like, yo, let's go have some drinks. Hey, let's go party. Hey, let's go do this. So yeah, they kind of... Go ahead. No, 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 no. You, go, you finish, your, finish your thought there. I was just, they, they keep hiding it with all the drugs, with all the alcohol, with all the partying, with all the, the fame and forge and the TV shows and the lights and, hey, I'm going to make this movie over here and I'm going to make millions doing this over here. But they still have yet to sit down with somebody and be like, I wrote that song because of this. And probably in happen. turn perpetuates the cycle. Yeah, um, the only thing I was going to note is, like, I think it would almost, like, the way that you bring it up, it would be healthier for the actual artists themselves if they had a chance to be like, yo, this is what my inspiration was after the fact. Um, this is what I was going through, and, like, this is why this song is about it is, and kind of tie it into their personal life, as mm -hmm. well as not have, like, any PR or, like, manager try to, like, not focus on the reality and just kind of like shush them and like make sure that it's only about the music and the sales. Because I'm sure any artist, you know, would be down to actually expound upon it. And it would be like a group therapy type thing situation. But if they were worried about like hurting their actual sales, they might be like, you know, like shush. Just talk about it. Let's go on the next tour. Let's make some more money. Yada, yada, yada. Well, I can guarantee that happens. You know, right. we've been... We were told many things by man multiple managers that we weren't supposed to do, and we weren't even in the big time. We were trying to get there, so let alone trying to hold on to that status of being big. We weren't there yet and being told, we can't talk about this. You can't say this. You can't do this. You know, hell, for a long time, they were trying to tell me and my drummer that we had to lose weight. You know, you don't don't let everybody know you got a, you got a weight problem. The fuck are you talking about, man? They were it's, humans. Only, it's, it's only a problem if I can't move. <laughs> I mean, that, that, but that is what they do they they do tell you not to talk about stuff not to do this because don't don't give any negative effect to what you're trying to put out there you know and as long as you're on top keep it that way that's what so, they want to do so yeah so I essence, could... for, for, for our, our newer people basically musicians in the 90s and early 2000s were vtubers before vtubers yeah like you're the brand lincoln park you're not chester bennington I mean, yeah. that, no. that's what it is. Pretty much. I think Jonathan Davis is one of the first ones to actually come out and really say what, you know, the, how the issues that he had growing up. That's where, you know, some of his songs, because everybody's like, why the fuck are you so pissed off, dude? Right. You know, because when they came out, it was a completely different sound, different tone, different everything. And you're looking at this guy and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? I think that's when it kind of really, people started asking, you know, and so Jonathan yeah. came out and told everybody that Jonathan made a big deal about it. You know, I cry after this yep. song because you know, I was molested when I was seven. You know, he would sit up there and sing a song and start crying, and everybody's like, this guy's a weirdo. Well, now you have to explain yourself. You know, so he, he did, and I think he's one of the first ones to really do it. Well, look at how it helped. I mean, look at all the fans that connected with the same thing, and it made Corn even bigger to be that open. Yep, once they mm. realized what it was about. Great. <clears throat> okay. Now let's 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 get off the serious stuff. I got I got a I got a non. Let's change the tone a little bit. What is your most memorable groupy event? Now I do want to point out because aren't you married? I, I've been married twenty eight years. Twenty eight years. So not necessarily surface. We're talking your entire musical career. So this could be pre wife. I just want to put that out there. If she listens. <laughs> 
what is your craziest, most memorable? What is the one thing that, like, I'll never forget that night? And it could have just been uh, any any dumb thing, but honestly, man, we didn't. We had no groupie love, man. No groupie love. What? I'm I'm not kidding you, dude. It was all parties and it was all drinking, but it wasn't groupie stuff. Because we've always been, we've always been with our women. You know, I, I was married when I got into surface. My drummer was married when he got into surface. My bass player is married when he got into surface. My guitar player is married when he got into surface. You know, and the wives went to all the shows. Do you think that maybe is what kept you guys grounded? Not just the age, but that you had responsibility. Maybe, maybe. And even when we were teenagers, you know, when I moved out to, I, I started playing guitar when I was 15. I moved out to uh, Indiana when I was 17. And the, when I moved out here, I, I got with my wife. My, oh, I, was, wow. I started dating my wife when I moved out here. So I would, I've been with her since I was 17, 18 years old. Okay, so yeah, I she's said, the oh, only one. Even, even pre-alls, you know, surface stuff, it was always me and her. So and I was a good kid. I was one of the good ones. <laughs> just, just as an opinion, I mean, I think that would probably be like a healthy stance going forward. Just like, yo, if we're going to be in a band together, we're going to have to have some stable relationships. And they're also, our significant others should definitely be involved to help keep away any of this like celebrity, like limelight uh mythos that they pr try to promote for like the whole quote-unquote rock star vision and that way you know you're you're going to be safe or you protect yourself with that extra layer um against groupies and other people that are just in it for the scene and not yeah. in it to actually give you any benefit I in think my that's opinion good for mental uh fortitude but i think um record labels would probably have a different opinion oh record labels want you to be a partier Oh, and groupies they, and everything. Yeah, they, they want they want all that stuff. We actually went out to California once with our manager. We had a manager out of California, Kevin Michaels. And uh, we played a show. I don't know where the hell the show was at, but we played the show, and then we get done, done the gig, and 10 minutes later, man, our singer's gone. And our singer's in a relationship just getting ready to have a baby with his girlfriend at the time. And we're like, man, where'd Brian go? And everybody's like, I don't know. I think Kevin took him. Well, we didn't see him until the next day. And he comes back and said, yeah, he took me over to some party trying to get me laid so I'd forget about my girlfriend at home. He was like, you got to be in the yeah. scene. You got you to be doing this stuff. You got to be partying like this. Jeez. And then and Brian quit. Brian was like, I don't fucking do that shit. Brian left. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Wow. Props to Brian yeah. for having that type of like fortitude to say no. He did. You know, at the time I was telling him to forget about his wife, though, because she did her girlfriend because she did cheat on him. But they were getting ready to have kids, so I kind of felt bad. <laughs> right. There's, there's, there's some gray area, some layers. I, 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 was, of course. I, was on, I was in the van going, dude, forget about her. Fuck her, man. She fucks some other dude, man. Come on, we got gigs to play. But then he takes her apart, or takes him to a party and is like, hey, I'm going to hook you up with these girls to get her off your mind. And he was like, no, that shit ain't happening. And then he, he quit the band. No. I mean, he had strong character. It makes me yep. think of like Rick Moranis leaving like uh, Hollywood just to be with his family. But I'm sure it's not the same parallel. But you know, sometimes you got to know when to just like, all right, this is who I am. This is what I want to focus on. And even though things are going well and potentially have a future ahead of myself where I can go ahead and make more of it, it wouldn't be the future that I would enjoy for myself. Yeah, and we weren't at that level of getting great parties and great scenes we were still at the bottom man we're, we're good parties yeah 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 we were just getting like the uh we were allowed in the back door you know or, or right. like the back 
backyard. Like, don't come in the house, but you know, we'll stay out here and we'll party out here. Dude, everybody's inside. Why can't we come inside? You're not there yet. <laughs> so, so we didn't have the big parties. I, I will say, you know, you're you're one of the few uh, lead singers. I can't say this about, but when it comes to local bands, uh, lead singers have the easiest setup ever. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I want to tell you guys if if you've never watched a band load in and out, I feel really bad for drummers. Really bad. Drummers get take a lot of shit too. They really do. And, and most of most of the time, everybody stares at them because you don't know what to grab. So you're like, Should I grab that for? No, <laughs> Should I help? He's got it. He's got it. <laughs> I don't want to lose it. I know exactly where this goes. Oh, they'll tell you that too. Oh, yeah. hey, you, want me to, you want me to help you tear down? Nah, man, I got a way of doing it. Good for I'm you. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna take my mic, put it in this little case, and go drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was a pretty easy setup. And then you went wireless, you know, and now you got to carry a little box with it too. Now, oh shit, that was a pain in the ass. Oh my god, got my microphone in a little box. Uh, um, if I could kind of take it in like a little side, like, uh, like segue regarding yeah. what you're talking about. Um, when you went to different venues, did you ever feel like how your stuff was set up or your equipment ever like didn't really like mesh up with the way that they had their own setup for like recording and audio like line up? Like, was that ever like a real big consideration or for the most part? Anywhere you guys went, uh, everything just vibed. A like good time, Tony. guys. Hard to find. <laughs> yeah. No. I, usually, it, it was it was pretty simple. Pretty simple setups. You know, everywhere. You can, all stages are kind of the same, just smaller, smaller or bigger. There's there was a couple though. There was there was one place, man. Uh, and this is out in California, as a matter of fact. We played it. It was almost like a Bob Evans. I swear to God, I walked in. I thought, man, I was like, "This was, is this converted Bob Evans or what?" We had our amps set up on tables, you know, and and it was just, it was fucking odd, you know. And Were people like, eating dinner? I mean, no, there was nobody eating, but it, it but it, it literally, you walk in, it looked like a Bob Evans restaurant, you know. I'm like, where am I supposed? Where are we going to be setting up? Where am I supposed to put my shit? And he was like, "Oh, just set this amp on on this table over here, and we'll put the bass over there on that one over there." So our shit's up on tables. It's not on a stage, and we're playing in the corner of the room. You know, and it's like, dude, this is really fucking weird. So that that was weird. Yeah, but all but in all, I... usually, Go usually ahead. it's usually it's it's pretty set. You bring it in, and there it just goes up front by the stage, and Who's you play. Who's the great long-haired guy? Always pulls in a ponytail, glasses. Uh, used to do a lot of Pierre's, but he's a great sound guy. Got it. Uh, raw. So Rob, Rob, Rob Ryder. Yeah. Oh my God, he is like the best. Yeah, Rob Ryder. I haven't heard that name in a while. I saw him two weeks ago. Did you? At a Man. show. He's still doing his. He still looks the same. I've I've seen pictures online, but I haven't seen him in a long I'm time. I'm pretty sure he's the son of Betty White. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he looked that way 20 years ago. I swear he did. I swear he did. Yeah. You know, we hired Rob for Funkin' Inc. He yeah, was our sound yeah, guy. Okay. Yep. I remember that. Uh, Jared played at my tattoo convention, actually. Yep. Yeah. Both. Two times. Both. Uh, two times. Oh, I yeah. played two. I think you had more than two. But oh, we had four. Four. Yeah. I played the first two. I wasn't involved in the fourth one. Really? Only the first. Yeah, I did the first two. I think it was us and Flaw on the one. Yep. 
Um, good. Who do, you, who do you listen to now? Mm. Right now, I'm huge on uh, 10 years. Good band. I love 10 years of non-point. Um, I just I just saw Edema, by the way. Speaking of, I did. I did. Great band, too. Oh, and Edema just came through here. Yeah. Yeah, 10 years is kind of my thing right now. Dude, have you met them? They're amazing people. Mm-mm. I met them at Pierre's one time. Um, I, you know, I used to be able to just walk backstage and uh met him one time and just the most just like you guys humble awesome easy to talk to i sent a message out to jesse which the singer i sent a message to him like two years ago i wrote a song and i just wanted his vocal style and i was like man people are just getting really to know you getting out there why don't you i'll I'll throw you a few bucks or whatever come in and do do a vocal appearance and uh he never messed with bad (laughs) bastard but no, yeah, I did the same with Chris too. Really? Chris was like, "I'm getting ready to hit the road, man," or I would. It's like, damn it. I could, I could talk to Vols if you want. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm friends with him as well, man. But, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try to get him quiet. on the. I'm gonna try to get him on the podcast. I'll ask him live. We'll see yeah. if we can get you an answer live. <laughs> Put that fucker on the spot. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, Jared was wondering. <laughs> yeah. We'll get They'll be like, Jared who? I'm sure he'll remember Yeah, Played a lot of shows with him. He better remember the yeah, band. Yeah, that, that man has one hell of a memory, I found, actually. Do you know, do you know he, um, he actually threatened to beat me up one show because me and my buddy, uh, it was my buddy who did it, uh, fed, fed the band LSD before they went on stage, and they oh, couldn't God. play their own songs. <laughs> Like how do you? Oh, All my fingers are w- wiggling. You know, he, I, he, my, he might kill me for saying, telling that story, but well, it was it was years and years. It's easily a decade ago. He's been through, man. So it's all good. Yeah. We played a show with them in Ohio one time, man, and he, we were walking, we were sitting in our van smoking. I was a smoke, my my drummer smoking weed. I'm drinking beer, and all of a sudden, man, our fucking door just flings open, and he jumps in our van. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? I, at first, I didn't even know who it was. And he was like, dude, let me hit some of that. And he started smoking with our, with our drummer. And I don't think he knew what the hell he was doing after that. He was out of it. I've gone to the hotel rooms after a good flaw show. I've been there. And sure. it's, it's, I mean, it's, we're not talking like, you know, heroin, cocaine. No, none of that. But, I mean, lots of drinking, people having a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, you know, uh, I, for those that don't know, um, you know, we, we've all seen those big band tour buses and what they look like inside and how cramped those are to be on the road. But what, what people don't understand is the minivans that you, you guys drive, you know, across the fucking country sometimes for, for months yeah. at a time. Living with people who, if they don't shower for a day, you know it. Oh. Yeah, you definitely fucking know it. Yeah, you do. I had some stinky fucking people with me, man. I had some stinky-ass people with me. We had a van. We had all our gear in it. And then the five of us, all our all our personal belongings, everything. We couldn't afford a trailer, so we, we got like a 16-passenger van to put everything in there. And back then, every bar you went to smoked. You know, so yep. 
so all our gear smelled like like musty moldy cigarettes man just because it's years of that shit sitting in there you know so our van you'd get in our van and you'd have five guys that didn't shower in five days you'd have all our stinky ass gear food from two days ago food oh my gosh it's bad Uh it's bad yeah, you you ain't got you ain't got no game to fucking hook up with nobody when you're like that. you step out of your van and them girls like, hey, what what? <laughs> you really gotta love the music, right? You gotta really love the music. It's like, oh, oh man, I'm I- a big fan. Hey, is Post Malone here? What? Hello? <laughs> yeah, and our status, nobody knew our music yet, so it was just like, guys. <laughs> hmm. I I was gonna go shake their hands, but I'm gonna stay over here. Yeah. Well, it's like if you go to a music festival and like by day two or three, you know, everyone's just feeling grody. And then by the time you finally get home and take a decent shower, you see just like black water pouring (laughs) off your body into the drain. It was bad. Yeah, there's sometimes it's bad. Have you guys done any festivals? Like outdoor festivals? Well, we've done like small festivals, nothing, none of the major festivals. I emceed a festival in Indy. Um, It was a three or four day festival. And I have pictures uh, by the end of it. And it's only pictures at the end. But, like, I'm in shorts, no shirt on, doing my job, and just look haggard. Haggard, dirty all over. I believe it, man. I mean, we've we've played small festivals, but we never did the two, three-day festivals, those big major ones. Never did those. Would love to. I'd still do one today. Don't come prepared. Lots of soap. <laughs> Yeah. Lots yeah. of soap or like nose plugs. Nah, well, now you can get a camper with a shower in it, man. So it's all good. No, I like I like old. And you know what? I went there with like a, a little two person tent, and like we just we just tented it out. I kept all my shit in the tent, and it rained for like two of the days, so it was mud city. And so like that's when I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna break out my eight hundred dollar MC outfits. You know, I'm gonna leave them alone, and I'm gonna grab my Doc Martens and some shorts, and throw on my top hat, and go do my job. Time for Mad Hatter with Crocs. Yeah, where's your top hat at? Yeah, there it is. Oh, you, you ask him for any prop, he'll pull it out like <laughs> yeah. right from underneath his like camera like vision. He'll be like, "Yo, I've done it." Nice. Um, are you working on anything now, Jared? I am. I've got a couple new songs that I'm working on, but I'm working with people now. Now it's where I like I write the song and I'm finding people and calling them saying hey come in and do vocals on this come in and you know lay some drums down i did a uh <clears throat> i wrote a country song had one of my local guys come in and and sing on it and that one's up on uh, i think on icloud or not icloud uh it's that cloud see i'm so i'm so out of it no no it's not the i word it's a cloud or soundcloud soundcloud there it is but yeah, I so I think it's up on that. Uh, I think it's it might be up on like YouTube or something like that. I'd have to look. I'm so dude. I'm so bad with, with <laughs> social media shit. And I, I'm I'm old. I'm old. So it takes I, a while to find I that shit online, feeling. man. Fuck. But uh, but yeah, like I got that, and now I'm in the middle of writing a song. Now I got I got the music done for it, um, and I'm pulling in a girl named Renata Rio, which. Mm-hmm. She's out of Fort Wayne. Uh, her and Chris Leachy, they do the 
Basket Case. I don't know if you ever heard of them. No, I haven't. I'm going to have to look into it. No, they're a duo out of Fort Wayne, and man, she's just a powerhouse when it comes to singing. So I got her coming in to do vocals on that one. So, yeah, I got some stuff going. Very cool. Hell yeah. I now, like you mentioned that you actually did a country song um, from knowing the past history, like, with your band and stuff. Like, how did it actually feel breaking into another genre that you felt particularly strong about, but maybe it wasn't something that any of your fans or, or local day one followers would actually be familiar with? How was that? It... I think if I would have done it 10 years ago I, or 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have got made fun of, you know, people would have just thrown it out the window. But, but when I stopped with surface, I started doing acoustic stuff. So I started learning more country songs and learning like classic rock and learning things. So by the time I wrote the song, I had already got that fan base that for acoustic. So it was, it was a really easy, Hey, I wrote this, this, country song i know i'm not a country guy but check it out and everybody was like fuck yeah let's let's hear it so it the transition was easy and, and the writing the song was easy you know because i did it i didn't do it right away i didn't just stop metal and be like oh hey i'm gonna do a country tune so and it really wasn't as bad as i thought it'd be nice like, I, I, I feel just my personal opinion but i feel like as an artist being able to explore other aspects of your own creativity is also um, like a feel-good experience or like, hey, maybe I can actually explore the boundaries and not just be like typecasted, if that makes any yeah. sense. I did. I, I started actually going out of my musical, you know, comfort zone. I, I started writing for a website called Fiverr. I don't know if you've I know, I know. Fiverr. I'm familiar. I did about two years of that because when I, when I, left my job i was like man i'm just gonna do music full-time so i started playing live I, I went tuesday through saturday i played music all around but then through the day i sat in my studio and i, I wrote songs for fiverr and most of the songs were like <clears throat> country to uh americana type style you know that's what people wanted they'd send me lyrics and john denvery stuff yeah you know and and my my niche was you send me lyrics and I'll write the music to it. I'll put a melody to your, to your words. I like it. That's so really fucking would, cool. Yeah. They would send me, you know, words and I just write a song. And I did that for about two years. And that's when I kind of really was like, I, man, I really kind of respect these guys for playing this stuff. You start playing country or start playing like, you know, the bluegrass stuff. Those are fucking players, man. Those oh, are, yeah. those are players. Not my style of music. But goddamn, they play good. Well, I mean, I'm by nature a rhythm guitarist singer, right? So, but I've been listening to a lot more of the uh, the the Mozart and stuff done on guitar. Uh, Dan Munn, if Dan, you know who Dan Munn is, I don't. But I got a buddy in, in Warsaw that does that shit. Oh my! God. I'll show you some stuff before you leave tonight. It's crazy, man! All that finger tapping and doing the, that. Oh, I got I got some shit to show you. I got, some sh I, I got a video that will make you feel like you know nothing, Jon Snow, about guitar. <laughs> I've seen quite a few of them videos where I'm like, why the fuck do I even play? <laughs> yeah, what, what am I doing with my whole life? And these kids are like yeah. 22. Have you, seen, have you seen my Facebook shares lately of those kids? No. Man, dude, these kids are like five years old playing drums like you never... How the fuck you learn how to play drums like that? See, I stay off of yeah. Facebook now. Um, I, 
and and it's, it's a the, good thing. Isn't it? Well, yeah, the Trump regime did it for me, and I'm I'm neither for or against Trump. I don't, you know, I'm not a political person. I don't like how that era made other people be. Mm. I learned that people that I thought were responsible, uh, down to earth people, were actually unleashed monsters inside who would say the craziest, most despicable shit to people they've known for years over a perspective or a political opinion. And it's just dumb. Yeah. It, I agree. I mean, I know myself, my mom, and a bunch of my friends. Uh, you know, you just can't look at people the same way after they say some horrendous ass shit. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and as you mentioned, the Trump era, it, it made a lot of people draw lines in the sand where it didn't necessarily need to be like white or black you know we're, we're all still people and we have our opinions but I, I don't think how people personally like affiliate themselves with either one political side or any any type of hot topic uh should be really worth uh killing friendships over unless you know it was something more than just an opinion yeah i mean everyone was just going at each other's throats when there was no need for it just because of different opinions well, it's it's a weird time. Uh, Jared probably remembers the time I grew up. Uh, my mother instilled in me that talking about who you were voting for for president was taboo. It was just a social taboo. You didn't ask. You didn't tell. And now everybody has the need to tell you what color shit they took on Tuesday on social media. So now everybody's political opinion is fair game. And not only are you supposed to share it with everybody you don't know, but now you have to allow anybody to comment on how bullshit your opinion is, which is retarded because, like I've always said, you, you can't know an entire object without seeing it from all perspectives. So, so why would you shut the one perspective down? Jared's not used to headphones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm ready to go. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I think I think Facebook fucked up or social media fucked up all that. Yeah, everybody. I agree. So you can't even have debates anymore. Kind of why we made this podcast to sit and talk about things that normally you'd get yelled at for talking about when in reality they're real topics that we we can't find solutions if all we're doing is yelling at each other. We have to discuss. We have to have opposing views so that we can better understand our own perspective. Uh, my Facebook used to be something where I would post a topic, wouldn't, wouldn't say my own opinion whatsoever, and just wait for a discussion to start so that I could see what people thought. But you can't do that anymore. It, it becomes a shit-slinging fest. Yeah, and to add on to what you're saying, Har, as well, you know, having opposing views is quite important because if you're just stuck in an echo chamber of people saying the same things over and over and agreeing with you constantly... You wouldn't really learn anything. You wouldn't get anything from it. If anything, it'd be worse. Well, if and, nothing, and nothing changes. Yeah, exactly. If, yeah. if everybody believes that water is safe to breathe in, but nobody wants to try it, but everybody believes it, that one person who doesn't believe that lie is the one that's going to survive the flood, you know? Agree. Yeah. It's serious stuff. It's serious shit. <laughs> we we get into some weird serious stuff. We talk about religion, politics. Um, you know, we t we touched a little bit on um, the Ukraine war, but really, you know, there's so much bullshit tied into that. 
Yeah, you, you, I'm not even going to be able to follow that until it's all actually done. Because right mm-hmm. now there's so much bullshit going back and forth. You don't know what happened here. Who said this? Who sent them? It, it's, it's too early for anybody to really say what's going on. I agree. Totally and that's where we've yeah. kind of stayed out of it. Other than the fact that, you know, everybody agrees people dying anywhere bad. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, not me. I'm a Darwinist. I believe more people should die on the planet every year. But <laughs> more food for me, Jared. <laughs> Worry, man. Where's that? Where's that door at? Where's, where's the, that you mean the one to the torture chamber? It's right there. <laughs> um, I we we have been kind of deep in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Have you been paying attention to any of that? I have been. Yeah, we I mean, on and off, on and off. I mean, but, we we used to be on it all day, every day. Um. And we've talked about it quite a bit, but I, I'm curious what your take is because there's some really funny, but there's some very serious topics in here about men's abuse going unanswered, going unheard, going unspoken. Um, the the victim female um, scenario is being used even in the courtroom now to say she's too frail to be the abuser, even though she used to break horses with her dad and anybody who's not a farmer should know breaking horses is not something frail little women do no, no. either is taking a shit in your bed <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> hardcore shit i mean i don't care how frail you are you take a shit in my bed dude you you got demons man <laughs> you, got, you, you either have demons or a deadly disease you haven't told me about yeah yeah i mean come on man you're a pretty little thing take a drop one of my bed bands like you got issues, chick. And, you know, you may not be able to beat me up, but you sure are going to scare me away. Yeah. You know, I think they both have issues. I think Johnny Depp is a fucking weirdo. Love the guy. Love the guy. I, I, I do. I actually, I, I love his movies. I, I like his personality. I, musically, I don't think he's very good. No, I agree with that. I think his band <laughs> makes it off of his name, but that's yeah. fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean... He's, he's out there too, man. Some of the videos you see of him slamming shit and cursing and throwing stuff across his room. I mean, that you're just leading that for that next person, for her to throw stuff back or say shit back. And you do notice, I did notice too, that every video she played was halfway through an argument. That's right. You know, you're starting it. Who knows if you went in there and punched him in the face and then pushed record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, he freaked out of me. I don't know why. He just jumped out of bed and freaked out. So, yeah. It, Did he find more shit? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he rolled over and there it was. I, got, <laughs> I only know two people in this world that shit on their women or in their spouse. My brother's one of them. Oh, no. <laughs> What's up, Dave? <baby? laughs> Well, look, look, I'm sure actually uh, if you're with your wife long enough and you guys live together long enough, it'll eventually happen to one of you by accident. The older I get, man, the harder it is to stay in. So, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I know. Who knows, man? Might not have to wait till 80. It might be next week. <laughs> I might do it just to try it now. It's all over the internet, man. I might be a new fad. She, she looked like she was having a good time. I don't. Hey, you know, she was smiling about it. Yeah, she thought it was The Amber Heard Challenge. There you go, man. That's a start right there. I'm going to tell you right now, Mad Labs does not endorse starting the the Amber Heard shit on your partner's bed challenge. But if it happens, please put uh, any pictures in Discord. Thank you. Come on, yeah. you know when he was when he was talking about it. Remember, he was like, it was uh, had that smile. <laughs> it was disturbing. 
it was grotesque or whatever he said, but he had that smile on his face. He liked it. He liked it. He, he, I swear to God, like, I don't know how you even like bring that story up and not laugh at the person who did it and just how infantile the concept and, and how, how, what did they say she was so frail for yeah. it, for her to sit there and stare at him like she was going to kill him when he was talking about it? Oh, did yeah. You see her? She was just like, <laughs> I can't believe you're fucking telling people this. Now, you know? wait, wait, wait. Do, do you know about that doesn't, look, that doesn't look frail to me, man. Do you know about the jury tampering and the passing of notes to the first row from Amber Heard's team or the dismissal of Johnny's witness on false pretenses and lying to the court? No, I don't I, no, oh. know. Oh, it's all <laughs> over the internet. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look that one up now. I'm gonna uh send you to Popcorn Planet, check out his uh, his stuff. Popcorn Planet. Pop Corned planet. Yeah, he's been covering the JD Heard trial every single day. And the man's amazing. Um <laughs> he he edits on the fly. It's phenomenal. Um, but he does these these um sum ups. They're about an hour and a half, two hours, depending on the day and who who testifies. Um and he just sums shit up so well. He has an actual trial attorney with him on the podcast explaining why this is bad or this is good or this is the way it should be done, this is the way it's not supposed to be done. Uh, the Amica cream. Do you know about that? So remember, uh, Heard's female attorney was asking his best friend, the one he gave the condo to, about whether he knew she put on Amica cream. It's not Amica cream. It's Arnica cream. And Arnica cream is not a makeup or a concealer. What it is 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 when you have a bruise. It's for sports people. When you have a bruise, it takes the sensitivity away. But the fucking purple and black is still right there. It's so that runners and, and people can still facilitate training and, and doing that. Um, the other thing is um, that same attorney was talking about a very specific type of makeup that she wore every day and ca carried with her when she was with Mr. Depp to cover the bruises. The maker of that makeup came out with a TikTok saying that makeup didn't exist until a year after she divorced Johnny Depp. She's lying on the stand. Oh, wow. yeah. And then her friends started posting flyers on all the cars at the court courthouse, including the jurors' cars, influencing Amber Heard's innocence, which is jury tampering. Yeah, well. And they've been caught on all this. I'll be surprised if every one of those attorneys isn't disbarred at the end of the didn't Johnny win it though? Uh, it, no, it's not done yet. Uh, they've got another. Man, I thought I heard like weeks. two days ago you won it. No, oh. that bullshit's been going around Facebook. I've had to correct it a few times. He I has. Guess I saw it, bro. Yeah, no. Amber Heard just took the stand this week, right? Is that right, Clint? You're muted. You're muted. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, regarding Amber Heard, I thought that she was already on the. Um, was it was it Monday or was it last week? Yeah, I thought that she was already like giving her own defense, but she's not on the stand just yet, as of what I had last seen, like yesterday. So okay. she's probably about to get on the stand, but um, she's pretty much fired her PR team because uh, she personally felt like her story wasn't being heard the way that she intended. So how do you spin shitting on the bed? How do you spin that? <laughs> there isn't. There it's isn't an art one. form in France. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. 
it means I love you in the Polynesian islands. I don't. <laughs> you just make shit up. <laughs> that's that, that's <laughs> that works for some. That's what we do in Atlantis, she said. <laughs> yeah, because the shit just flows up to the surface of the water. You don't have oh, to worry about it. Did you that. see the petition already signed by three million people to remove Amber Heard from the new Aquaman? She she had her like um like forty five minutes of screen time cut down to like three and a half minutes. Damn. New movie. Damn. Yeah, and regarding that, like, uh, there's another hot take about, um, I guess Drew Barrymore apparently has her own talk show, so she was actually making light of the herd in-depth trial, where she was stating with her co-host that, like, you know, this is, like, fucking insanity, like, seven-layer dip uh, nachos. Uh, with just more crazy pout on top of it, and, and so many people were just like flaming her. Um, it's like, yo, how are you gonna have you know Johnny Depp's daughter on your show where you're like, you know, lighting them up and like saying like, hey, I I I fully understand your story, but then like a week later, uh, tear into Johnny Depp for what's currently going on. So she actually issued a public apology. Stating that, like, oh, you know, I'll I'll grow from this, I'll learn, yada, yada, yada. But part of what she did was why male victims of uh, DV or domestic violence feel like a lot of their stuff just goes swept under the rug. You know, she definitely wasn't helping, and it seemed like she was just, you know, adding other comments that didn't uh, help or attribute anything at all. I agree. I think I think it's kind of like the Will Smith thing. You know, it got to the point where, like, everybody wanted to come. And, and then it got to the point where it's like, shut the fuck up about it. It's over. It's weeks ago. You know, uh, you, you pull up a new tab and it's so-and-so's opinion about the Will Smith slap. Who? He's lost everything. Leave the man alone. Yeah. True. See, now, that, that's so weird. Like, what, what, is, what if she has that the disease or the... Alopecia. Alopecia. Well, there's there's a medicine for that, and did you know the medicine for that? The company that did that medicine supposedly sponsored that the Oscars th- that show. Yeah. So now everybody's like, "Well, I think it's it's all staged because of that." <clears throat> but then you watch that slap, and it's like, "Yeah, I think it is." I don't know if it's staged or not. I could care less. I think he smacked the shit out of him myself. I think he did too. But man, it was. Yeah. But it was kind of like. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he did. You know, he didn't just bam. He's like. He gave him some force. Yeah, he, he had that whole... That and you whole, could like, hear it. You could hear it. Oh, that's what? like, I was like, yeah, man, that is just... the best posing smack I've ever seen in my life. Man. Oh, yeah. He had great, great form. Yeah, he just walked up, didn't advertise a slap at all, and then, <laughs> bam! Well, <laughs> and know? then, I have a couple people saying the same thing. It's staged, and I said, really? So, how much money do you think they would have had to pay him to give back his one and only ever won Oscar, remove himself from the Academy, lose all his movie deals, all his TV shows, and go to India. Because that's when he was last seen, was in India. So, tell, how much would they have to pay you to give up your entire career in life over a slap? I, slap. I don't think it's staged, honestly. I think he fucked up. I think he fucked up, but, I mean, do you really think Will Smith lost everything? I think they're saying that he did, but he'll come out with a movie next year. Oh, I guarantee it. Nobody, he's too good of an actor. Nobody will, yeah. Yeah. 
with so, so many I mean, up and downs in the entertainment industry, like I mean, you know, Robert Downey before was dragged through the mud for like his, you know, quote unquote like substance abuse and all this other stuff. And then here he is doing like freaking Iron Man for like seven movies back to back. Yeah. Not long after. And I love Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. He smacked him pretty fucking good though. Yeah, that was some slap. Honestly. Well, I mean, I mean, you're right on that because you know, look at look at Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski received an Oscar six years after he was a convicted child trafficker and pedophile. He even accepted the reward oh, yeah. via video call from another country. Yep, because he's not allowed in the states. Fucking right. But the the, the academy didn't kick his ass out. So it's all a PR game. All it's, it. it's all PR, but here's the problem. Uh, the PR, I think, is being run by woke cancel culture. I think that we've come to a point where, and this is why I'm a Darwinist. This is why I think more people, we need more wars and more death, and peace is just bullshit. Peace is temporary um, because we breed too fast. Japan had it right. Uh, they did it because they were on a small, you know, small little island. They said, you can only have one boy or a girl and a boy. After that, done. We can't support anymore. And I think we as a whole need to start realizing and thinking bigger than just our own egotistical shit. Do I want someone to tell me how many kids I can have? No. But if I keep having kids, will my grandkids maybe have to find a way to survive amongst the throng? And what am I leaving the world, especially if we don't get off this rock and go somewhere else? You know, we need world yeah. wars. I think that's where COVID came in. I think COVID was here to wipe out the old and get rid it's, of it. Except it didn't kill enough people. It didn't. And I think it backfired. <laughs> well, I think it not only backfired, but uh, I listened to Russell Brand on his, his stuff all the time. Because he's an intelligent, crazy as shit, but intelligent. Um, he points out a couple things. He always says, follow the money. If money's involved, you have to be questioning of altruistic reasoning. He points out that the COVID vaccine is the most lucrative drug in human history ever created, ever made for something that was biologically made in a lab by humans, a lab owned by, by the way, Dr. Fauci. Or not owned, but uh, the the whole Wuhan testing that was going on, that was financed by Fauci and six other board members. And, and you know, it's, I'm not saying conspiracy. I'm just saying if, if you think governments aren't businesses, oh. you're dumb. And businesses always look out for the bottom line's self-interest. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But... You know, and when they came out with it, though, they were like, you know, the older generation, the older people were the ones that were really getting sick. And they're like, yeah, get them in the homes, put them in the homes. And they were putting them in nursing homes. And it was almost like they did it on purpose. Purpose. You know, like, get rid of get rid of the older people because not only does it eliminate popula population, but it also eliminates the Social Security. It eliminates all that stuff that I'm not going to have them when, I, when, I'm, yeah. when I'm ready to retire. I'm not going to have it anymore because they've, they've took all the money and spent it already. You know, they, there's nothing there. So they got to stop paying everybody Social Security because it, it, they're paying out too much now because they spent all what was supposed to be there. Now it's going into our funds and 
They can't keep doing that. They can't keep doing it. Hell, I don't even think I can retire until I'm 77 if I did the paperwork right. Yeah, it's crazy. So. Well, and that's the thing. Humans aren't supposed to live that long. You know, our our natural... If you live to 55, 60 in your tribe, you were an elder. You were a wise man. You know, living beyond that was legendary. You know, um, so now you can't even retire until 400 years ago. You would have been dead 40 years prior. More than like, you know, when people didn't mm -hmm. live past 30, 35... There was an abundance of resources. Now everybody's living to 70. And yeah, remember, my mom's 75. I've had this conversation with her. She knows I'm a Darwinist. And she looks at me sometimes and she'll say, you know you're talking about me. I said, I am. You're 100% right. Ouch. It, I can't. I can't <laughs> I'm not going to change my belief system because of emotions. Yeah, yeah you can't. Can't. You either believe what you believe or you're full of shit. And I'm not. You know, I believe that I was a fan of Thanos. Wiping out half of everything. I'm okay with that. I like his plan. It's random. It's okay. Good and bad alike. And people are like, oh, what if your family's that snap? Well, I'm not going to be here to give a shit. <laughs> like, like, it's not that big a deal. Can I come hang out at one of your guys' studios? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and and it's not it's you not need your own room, man. <laughs> no, I get no kidding. Yeah, and it's it's on a on a global level, you know, it's not on a hood city level. That's different. You know, and I tell people all the time you can't understand what a world leader has to go through and he has to make decisions for three hundred and forty seven million people. None, we can all look at their decisions and go wrong. I know wrong when I see it, but I can't tell you what right is. Right? Yeah. No, it's like I know that shit was fucked up, but I can't tell you a better alternative. Yeah. You know, there were there were times in almost every presidency I can remember from uh, Bush Senior on, where we all looked backwards and said, "Oh, we could have done this. We could have done that. This would have been a better option." But at the time, when you're looking at the lives of American troops or war on multiple nations, what do you do? You've got a clicking, a, a ticking clock. You've got all these things going on. It's hard. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, I think that whole proverb is lost nowadays. We all think we have the answers, can do it better. But when you're really sitting there in the seat, can you? Oh yeah, that, that's true. You know, but you can find any answer on Google. That mm. come on, man. <laughs> you want you want to talk about something that drives me nuts, okay? And and I, I might get in trouble for saying it, but uh, people who listen to podcasts know where I work. I'm not going to say it right now, but I answer customer complaints, and a lot of times they'll ask me something that they could have gotten thirty seconds faster just by typing on Google. Oh. Well, it's because we're still used to asking questions. I think it's especially, think it's but especially the older generation. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. when when it's people my age and up, I forget I could just look on Google. Because you know, I'll be talking to my, I'll be talking to my kid, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, we were looking at something. I, mean, I can't remember what the hell it was called." And a bit was it that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh you man, know, I always I always forget. I I forget completely. You know, it's like, hey, what's that number to that place? You know, I'm sitting there telling my wife, I was like, man, did, didn't you write it down somewhere? You know, and then you think, oh, there it is. 
you look it up on Google. You know, I just doesn't even come to me. Well, on the flip side of that, though, when when people like us are gone, you know, cursive won't exist in the United States. Well, they don't uh, even teach that in school anymore. They don't. They don't. And uh, writing is is just my my daughter would rather type than write, and that's great. Enough, but you, I, I type one hundred and seventy six words a minute, and you can't type thirty. You need to pick up a pencil and learn how to fucking do your L's. Well, and you can't even sign a paycheck. No. You know, they, they still get checks. You still have to. Some of these places that, like, I own a business. They only take checks from me. So that's it. So I have to pay them by a check. Well, I got to sign that check. You, you no, know, you know what? Aren't... No, no. I, I, I will order a stamp uh, with your name in cursive. You, you just stamp it. There you go. See? Yeah, there you go. I, I actually have a little program where I just click a little spot and it puts a fake little my name on electronic documents. Well, electronic document is weird to me, you know, because you can get on here, you sign it on there and then just email it back. And it's like anybody could do it because that's such a sloppy ass fucking animal. So sloppy. You know, so how do you get your your forensics on that? Nope, that's, that is how he makes his J's. No, it ain't. I didn't sign that piece of paper. I don't know you three hundred dollars. The fuck right. out of here. <laughs> that ain't my signature. This is my signature. What do you um? Going back a little bit to music, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, the biggest, some of the biggest failings in today's, because we both know that rock nowadays is just as much pop as, okay. So that whole, you know, bear for us in Fort Wayne, surrounding areas, but everybody's got one where they play rock music, but it's butt rock. Let's be honest. It's, it's radio rock. Um, and yeah, every once in a while you get a five finger death punch song or, but it's, you know, Led Zeppelin all the way to the new shit from Hailstorm. And God, I hate Hailstorm. I'm sure she's a nice lady, but I do not like uh, I, yeah, I don't think good. I've ever seen her, but I don't, I don't like the, I don't like the music and I don't like her. I, I'm an asshole when it comes to female rock singers. I really am. I'm very particular because when they try to sound like a man, it doesn't work. If you, if you want to scream, be like Ginger. Ginger. I was going to say, have you checked that Ginger? Yet? Yeah. Ginger takes the growl and makes it hers. Uh, there are a couple other really good, uh, females to do the same thing they take the sound and they don't try to replicate the man's growl they go how do i make the man's growl mine? and that, those are the ones i like but the ones that just feel forced mm -hmm. i just I, I can't do it <laughs> yeah i don't blame you like you remember guano apes remember guano I loved guano apes yeah who just asked that did you ask that I asked. yeah it's weird because uh, I put that on my jukebox at my bar, and the only people that play it are me and my kids. And they'll start playing. I'm like, uh, one of my kids played this. Open your eyes is fucking great. Yeah, hell, Maria is a great song. Oh the next, yeah, it's the second track. That's a good track. It's a good band. Good band. There's some great female rock singers. They're really. Awesome. You guys uh, have any questions for Jared? I'll uh, lead it to Ag. I'll let you go first. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I can tell you yeah. what AG wants to know. What's your favorite kind of vodka? Yeah, favorite, there we go, yeah. My favorite vodka? He's a, he's a vodka head. Okay. If, if I'm mixing my vodka, I mix it actually with Russian Standard. Hmm. 
Not bad. Not bad. That's a nod of approval. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't do your standard Tito, Tito's, and Grey Goose. They're they're all right, but they're just not. They're not overrated. They're overrated. You, you get the name. You know exactly. I mean, at that point, it's like you know when you go into like a clothes store. You know, you can either buy the no-name brand for you know five dollars, or you can buy the Gucci, which is the exact same thing with just a stamp on it that has yep. a brand name for five hundred dollars. It's the same thing. They're the same company. It just one has got a brand name, one's not. Yeah. So you know, there's, I think it's, that's there's no point. It's just brand names at that point. F and vodka is really good too. I don't know if you've ever had that one. That's a good one that I liked as well. You ever had that? Uh, I've never heard of that one. Effin. Oh, he's writing it down. He's looking it up. E F F I N. Ian. Yeah, it's one of those. Ian or I N something. Like I'm that. not a huge whiskey guy, but I did. Uh, I emceed a show for Colcock Whiskey in Indianapolis. The only whiskey barbecue. Yeah, it's it's fucking good. That Colcock whiskey is the only whiskey I can drink straight. I, I haven't I haven't tried that one yet. I actually have the business card for it. Um, so got good. it a couple weeks ago. I remember waking up the last day of that, and I had a coffee cup, and all, all I had—they had given me like four free bottles, and I drank them throughout the days. And I was on my last bottle, and I poured a bunch in, and walked out of my room, and um, it was like, "Oh, you got some coffee?" I said, "Yeah, coffee and whiskey." Sands the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> that like a—it's a barbecue, like a smoky barbecue. Yeah, it's like it's—it's. It's do a they weird. have? Do they have other flavors, or is that just the basic? I, all I know is of sure. their, yeah, their standard sure. whiskey. It's yeah. yeah, it's very unique though. It is unique. I loved it. Yeah. See, one good vodka. I'm, I'm not sure if you've tried or even heard of it or not. Um, but Zubrovka, it's a Polish one. Never heard of um, it. Bison grass vodka. Basically, um, they distill it with bison grass, and they always leave a little strand. That, of it a little there. strand of grass in there. That's good vodka right there. That to me is oh, a yeah. sipping. That's a sipping vodka. You know, most. Uh, oh, of the it's vodka, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, most of the other vodkas, you know, I mean, I'm not a guy that likes to drink vodka straight. I do. You know, and my wife does. My my wife does vodka or vodka water or whatever. But when I when I tried that bison, man, it was that was drop an ice cube in it, man, and I could sit there and sip on that for a while. That was nice. a good smooth vodka. You know, and it would caught my my attention most. It tastes like fucking grass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm like weird it's great <laughs> for me at the bar it was good. either vodka or everclear because if you could find a bar that held everclear you only needed one shot you didn't have to buy five or six everclear oh my goodness yeah. uh, like that's the standard for like lighting stuff on fire or like making some really good edibles i don't i don't even i don't even carry it at my bar man i'm not dealing with those guys yeah yeah i don't Ooh. blame you because it's like yeah, three shots of uh, that shot, and then <laughs> it's like, let me go fight this police horse. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dealing with that shit. Right. What uh, have you thought about maybe um starting an actual band, or do you like doing the solo stuff? I would love to do another band, but I just don't have the time needed. You know, mm. you got to you got to dedicate a lot of time into it. And most of the players I know, I hate to say it, most of the players are here in Fort Wayne and I'm 45 minutes, 50 minutes away. So in order for me to get here, it's tough now because I own a bar and running that is 
I never know if I'm going to be there, if I'm going to be needed, if I'm covering a shift or if whatever's happening. I was going to bring that up. I, I found I out that you owned a bar. Yeah, I, five years ago, I bought. I've owned it five years now, and it's it's a cool little spot. You know, it's just a little hole in the wall bar, man. A little home, little little town bar. But uh, with that, I just don't have the time to that you really need to invest in a band. Matter so, of fact, uh, you know, who, real quick before you ask that, click. You know who hit me up today out of nowhere? I I haven't talked to him in forever. Jason Braun. Oh shit. He uh he hit me up and asked me if I delivered a package to his house and if I had purple hair. He said because whoever it was looked just like me and kept staring at his surface beanie. Nice. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, I figured you'd like that. Go ahead, click. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. Uh, the only thing I was gonna mention, like to that point, uh, with you yourself owning your own bar, uh, what regularly gets played either on the speakers via either jukebox or by your own staff? What do you guys typically have on repeat? Man, I I bought a bar in the middle of a uh, hick town, so there's a lot of country that gets played in my place, and uh, it seems like I've I hear Chris Stapleton, I hear him probably. I don't know, 10 times an hour, which I think that's 10 songs that fit in an hour. <laughs> I mean, it's nonstop. Wow. It's nonstop. That is nuts. And, and, it, you know, and, and I still don't, I'm still not a country fan. I don't mind it now. It's the older I get, the more I'm just like, well, I'll let it play. I used to change it. I used to, if I hear a country song, I'll just change it. Now, regarding country, in my opinion, I feel like a lot of people are just like, yeah country music down thumb other music up thumb but kind of like getting into the grateful dead i feel like country similar to them is something that you kind of grow into feeling more connected to if you're not already part of that genre if that makes yes, any sense i agree you you grow into you grow into country if you don't like country but then it's when when you listen to it over and over again like i'm kind of forced to listen to it my my, yeah. my my customers like it. They play it a lot. We have a mixture of everything. Every, we play everything from Slipknot to Johnny Cash to Lady Gaga. You, we, I mean, they play everything in my bar, which is Lady cool. Gaga and a deal. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not into them, but but they get played. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. they play everything. But, but majority of the stuff is country. And it took me a while to where it was like I felt... You can relate. Chris Stapleton, I'm actually, I like the guy. I, li I think he's a phenomenal writer. Um, but I'm still not in the country. But, I, but you learn to, to, appreciate to, to appreciate it, you know, and you start to like it, you know, and you start to like certain songs and this and that. Um, but, yeah, country is definitely one of those where if you don't like it, you'll, you'll eventually grow into it. They'll, you'll find something that will hit home because they do. That, that's what they do. They tell stories. So eventually that story is going to be one of your stories. And then True. you end up liking that song, but yeah, and good analogy. Just just like how we also mentioned, or at least myself, how we have mentioned um, Grateful Dead. Like, if you are someone younger getting exposed to the music, but you haven't like traveled or like had life experiences, then you don't really feel any type of connection to the music, right? But then if you check out Trucking Up to Buffalo, nineteen seventy two, Grateful Dead. If you listen to it after you've gone through some shit, then it's like, man, this is a beautiful fucking experience from start to finish. And then you actually appreciate, one, the musicality of the artists that were in The Grateful Dead. 
Um, and then you also like feel that connection of the lyrics kind of tying into what you've gone through. And it's like, I'll take you home, like seeing like a father to like some kid where it's just like, yo, I, I will be there. I'll protect you. I'll totally be your, like your guiding influence. You know, like, let's go home together. You, 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 you. That's just some experience that will shake you to your core in a good way, in my opinion. Yep, that's true. That's how, but that's how music connects with people. You know, that's how, that's kind of how it is for everything. All songs. <clears throat> I don't care how bad a band is, they're, they're always going to have a few people that are going to connect with what they're saying, you know? And, yeah, that's music. I find it funny that, you know, as a musician, you played in bars your whole life, and then you retire and you buy a bar and just sit there. <laughs> well, my my goal in life was actually to buy a bigger bar so I could have big shows. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of be a promoter and start and do bigger, kind of like bigger. Slide piers, nice, like yeah. make your own venue, as it were. Yeah, but uh, I was playing I was playing solo myself for about seven or eight years before i bought the bar that was like i said i was doing about four or five nights a week and i had surgery on my face they had to route out all my sinuses and they, they broke my nose and drilled out my nose and god i had a really bad infection that just wouldn't go so i had that in 2015 and then in 2016 i had carpal tunnel surgery and then i had carpal tunnel surgery on my other hand so my wife was like hey <laughs> you're just falling apart you know instead of playing so much why don't we try and buy this bar that's right down the road that a friend of mine was trying to buy but it fell through and i was like eh, i don't know if i really want to buy that it's it, it was very tiny it was a small bar but uh the lady owned the built the building next door to it which was a restaurant and i was like you know i'd buy it if i can get both buildings because then i'll break the middle down and make it bigger and i can have shows nice so we went and talked to her, and, and it was basically just to get me out of playing so much to buy that bar. And it was like, so what was that? What was it? Oh, is that your phone? <laughs> I, Siri's talking to you. Siri's telling me, don't call me. That's not my phone. Google bar. Well, oh, I don't know. But yeah, but, but I was like, well, I'll go down and check it out. And then when I went there, the lady was like, I'll sell you both buildings. I just want done. I want out. I was like, shit. Both buildings. Now that is, sounds like a one hell of an opportunity. Like, yeah. You know. And they weren't big buildings. But it, it, together, I hold just over 100 people, which is good for a small bar. Well, yeah. And uh, property is one of the only things that, you know, is a commodity. You know, yeah. they're not making more property for the most part unless they're subdividing something but um yeah. if you actually own a piece of property then inherently in and of itself it should be able to be profitable just by being a piece of land that you yeah. definitively own you know yeah but yeah we ended up buying that i was like all right man we'll try it it's small i'm i don't i've been in the bar scene my whole entire life playing music and doing entertainment but i never owned one never ran a business so I was like, this would be great to learn it and see how it actually is because it's small. It's right next to my house. I'm like 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes away from it, as mm -hmm. opposed to me driving an hour to Fort Wayne to, to have one. So and that's got to make things so much easier for yourself, being uh, like relatively that close. You can like literally walk there if you wanted to. Yeah. 
And what, what, what I learned in the first year of owning that bar, I did the best thing that I could have done for myself because buying that bar, I can shut it at 11 o'clock and go home if I want to. You can't mm-hmm. do that. In Fort, you can't do that in Fort Wayne. You can't do that in the surrounding areas that I live in, the town, the, the bigger towns around me because <clears throat> you're competing with everybody else that's still open. So if, if you're shut down, nobody's going to go to you because they're going to be, well, they close at 10. Let's just go over here. You know, yeah, so let's go have, to some other place that'll be open till like two AM or some bullshit like yeah. that. And and I I'm on I'm in a small town. I, I I've got four bars on like in a block radius. Mm. I got a I got a Legion, and I've got right across the street from me is a, a bar called the Post, and then right behind that is a train depot. Train depot's never open. The post is their hours are so weird. They they open up like at three in the morning or three in the afternoon and they close at ten o'clock at night. You know, and and then you got the the, the legion, which is you got to be a member of. So I'm like, all right, you got four bars here, but no matter what, if I want to be closed at eleven o'clock, nobody's going to give a shit. They're not going to bat an eye. They're going to come back tomorrow. Yeah, because that's just that town. You know, even even on the weekends, if I wanted to close at midnight on on a Friday night, I could close on Friday night at midnight, and nobody would give a shit because they'll just come back because it, it's it's the only thing in that yeah. town. No one else yeah, there. Sure. Yeah. You know, so when I when I realized that after a year i was like dude i would much rather do this than have to sit there and be open till three in the morning in fort wayne then by the time you close that big of a venue and clean that big of a venue i'm leaving there at seven eight o'clock in the morning you know just to go home get a couple hours and then possibly have to go back the next afternoon to open it back up yeah so i was like oh this is great this is awesome is it making money for you is it yeah yeah we're doing really well well that's good i know congrats <clears throat> a lot of times you start a new business in the first few years, it's a losing. I, uh, I was worried about that, but my status with music helped me. My wife was a, my wife is from that area. We grew up in that, or we're, we're both from that area. My wife grew up in that area. She was a waitress, worked in bars and stuff like that as waitressing. And so we had all of those people that knew us from those aspects, plus our friends. So as soon as people heard that Jerry Pegg was buying a bar, I had everybody coming up, you know, like, oh, we're going to check out this bar. I mean, I had a I had a pretty big fan base for myself with my acoustic thing. So it was like all those new people that I made in that area, all the lakes up there, played all those places for years I've been playing up there. They're like, oh, shit, we're going to come check your bar out. So I had that on my side. I wasn't just some guy that bought a bar, some random guy that nobody knew. Also, I was going to say, uh, to that note, um, have you been able to give your friends like a venue to be able to like kind of like performance to get on stage like have any of your own friends or their bands been able to come through and still kind of like play at your spot so far or not not so much i i I can't push original music yet there um the small town i mean even even when i when i was in surface i lived right there in that you know outside of that town never played there Cause just they they don't they're not into new stuff they're not into they're not they're not into original stuff they want to hear the shit they hear on the radio so when you get a you get a local band that nobody knows their stuff nobody's having a good time you know and it just shows in that area we played one bar in Warsaw which I'm talking got like seven eight bars in Warsaw yeah and I played I played one bar and that was the only bar that ever accepted original music everybody that went there loved it. And whether it was us or whether it was somebody else, they didn't care. Fuck yeah. You go, you go next door and play it. Nobody showed up. Nobody cared. Oh. 
you know, and it, it was really weird. It was like you, that bar was the only bar that took original music. So my thing was, okay, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to start doing original stuff. I'm going to have people come in. Um, I've had a couple uh, country artists, like national guys come in, do, do solo stuff. Uh, I'm getting ready to hopefully call Chris Schaefer from the Y, y store because they're from around here. So, but things like that, that originality will go over well because they know the songs. So when it comes down to my friends, when they're in cover bands, you can play here all day long. You know, but when you're an original band, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And especially, you know, when, when, and when I'm trying to go for four hours, this is where it's like I'm learning the bar side of it as opposed to the playing side. Because when I played, I was like, man, just let me fucking play your bar. Let me play. Yeah. Let me play. Let me play. Because this know, is my was, music. This is like my, how I'm feeling. This is like, I want to represent myself. But if, and, you know, if the crowd itself, like the bar the bar is in a unique position of being like, all right, I know my patrons, I know the music aspect, kinda, but I need to try to go ahead and make both sides happy as much as possible so it's lucrative for myself and whoever talent that I'm actually hiring. Yeah, and and, and that makes it tough. That makes it. I do have one friend of mine that that he wants to play there, but he's in a death metal band, and it's like, dude, oh, death well. metal's just—it's not going to go over well. You're going to bring your 10 people with you, yeah, which is cool. And I get it, and I respect it, man. But but my other 75 people aren't going to stick around, and I'm going to lose money. You know, oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, and now I'm thinking it as a business, which sucks, because I'd really love to have my friend's band, you know, and help them out and be like, yeah, come on, play. But can't. Can't do that, you know. And So that does suck. But I would love for my friends to come up and play. And I, I, I have had a lot of friends come in and do solo gigs or if they're in cover bands they come up and play so yeah we do i do have that i need to i need to come up and visit your bar sometime just yeah. come out and we'll yeah. we'll have a couple of drinks or something yeah, yeah and i was actually gonna say like ag if you come to the states uh we totally yeah, we'll gotta go. check out his bar definitely you guys first shot ag and then you got the rest ag i got a, <laughs> I got a room you can stay in you can stay here and we'll go we'll go visit sounds good that, i might even take that. you up and all for one day <laughs> that come out man and come party up my place man i'll just stick, stick you in my house man hey you want to plug your you bar real fast you want to go we're all about plugging our stuff we're working on so if you want to go ahead and talk about your bar go for it i i call i call this a studio but he has a studio he has a real studio i have a nice i have a nice little shindig there yeah so tell us the name of your bar tell us uh what it's all about um, uh, go for bar, it. bar 13 it's it's named bar 13 because it's on highway 13 uh it's funny i'll have everybody what, what made you come up with bar 13 <laughs> it's right there in the fucking highway dude because yeah, <laughs> the last 12 failed oh yeah, yeah <laughs> just, just the last 12 failed the last 12 were, were yeah bombs but no it's bar, bar 13 we're in pearson indiana uh we do we do live entertainment every wednesday night every thursday or every friday and saturday night we got we either have karaoke, we got bands, you know, and every Wednesday night is a there's like a duo or solo acoustic player. Um, do we drink specials, food specials? We got all kinds of shit. We got great food, man, pizzas and subs. We Fuck got, yeah, it's it, it's a cool little spot, man. I, we took the two buildings. I took a, an old beat up restaurant and I took the bar and we emptied out the back of the bar and I made a full kitchen. I put a big hole in two big holes in the wall to go to the next door. 
and we made that into the that's the band side it's all dark and black it's got the stage and it's got new bathrooms in the back it's 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 pretty sick man excited to see it for a little little small small town bar it's pretty sick pretty hopping hell yeah i I know you you don't do a lot on sundays so maybe i I never work on sundays as a supervisor maybe i close on sundays but we can go and hang out there i know the owner yeah is he, cool? is he cool? Is he a dick? I'm with the band. I come on. I know a guy. I'll have to ask my wife. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Oh, isn't that like the the biggest like clip? Sometimes like he don't care. I know. I got a cool one. I got a cool one. That's why. That's why we've been together for thirty years. Yeah, I mean, no, about, uh, we've been together so long. Yeah. No, I was uh, the only thing I was gonna say. Like, yeah, it seems like your partner definitely is like supportive of all of your different ventures, as well as your trips, as well as your yeah, like sixteen years, right? Sixteen years till fifty. You're, you're thirty four oh, years, right? Oh wait, I, I, you kind of lost me there. Yeah, I did the. Oh yeah, yeah. so uh, it it's well, definitely no, beautiful. It, the sound that you know. It's, to hear that your partner's been like your left hand right. to your right That's hand. 30, 32. I'm sorry. 32. So you got 18 years. 18 more years. I met her when I was, yeah, 17 or 32. Is, yeah. yeah. 18, 18 more. One more kid's, uh, one more kid's uh, childhood to adulthood, and, and you guys will be at the 50. No can goo, man. No. I got cut them up. No, 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 no. I'm not saying just, you know, 18. 18. <laughs> It's like, nope, I got a vasectomy. Okay. You don't want to be ago. like Brad and Angelina and just like uh, adopt one from another starving country? Come on. Nope, I'm starving. AG's a, a-, a-, a starving kid in Scotland. He needs a <laughs> I tried, AG. I tried. Uh, you, I mean, at least you tried. That's the main thing, right? Yeah. I'm just continuing to starve. <laughs> <laughs> all, all he eats and drinks is vodka. That's all he can get. I don't. <laughs> Man, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do, though. You gotta do what you gotta do. And vodka, they you know it's water, isn't it? Right? Water and bread. Water and bread. Yeah. So, so, so you're getting your water filled. Yeah, it's Good. close enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a little weird off topic. Um, because I, I know you guys. Uh, we're we're pretty family friendly with your lyrics. You, I think you only cussed in like one song, right? Well, we got a couple. Or a couple, but it, it's yeah, not. But, I, but it, for the most part, yeah, everything. It's not really widespread. A lot of people thought we were a religious band. Yeah, I know. I I I heard someone say that one time in the crowd, and I'm like, no. They're yeah, not. No, not at all, dude. Not no. at all. No. But but our lyrics kind of, I guess you know, when you really sit down and put it together, yeah. They're kind of creepy. They're kind of creepy. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, but, oh. when you mention like kind of Christian band, like there's there's been some other like rock or metal bands that have also like put out similar type lyrics, and they've been alluded to be something of a Christian band. Like, how do you personally feel about your fans or the outer, um, I guess appearance or view of others? kind of like putting you into that type of box like what are your takes on that if if they like that if that's what makes them that's how they feel about it then take it there if if you know we have a song called lift me up you know and 
if, if you listen to that song, yeah, when you really kind of sit down and listen to it, it sounds Christian. You know, even, it sounds even like, one more day could be taken that way well, if that's how you want to listen yeah. to it. Yeah, you know, and, and if that if that person puts it into that category for themselves, great. I'm not going to make you to change it. You know, if if that's the way it makes you feel, and if if you're okay with it, I mean, you can't come in and be like, oh, it's a Christian song. It sucks. Then you know you have an issue. But I mean, if they're if they're enjoying it and they feel it's a Christian style. Yeah, I'm they, not gonna say it's not whatever. Talking man. to them about you their know, God, yeah. If 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 that's what you feel on it, then yeah, take it there. Yeah, I I guess you can't really control how others will take your song that you put out because objectively it's art. You put it out as its own standalone without any other type of prior or after like context. It's pretty much yeah. open to like self interpretation. Well, it, it is all of it is you know and hell like. I don't even remember what that what that song is on the Tool album. He's talking in a German. He's talking German. It's, and it's, you know what that is, though, right? Yes. It's a recipe. This is what I was saying. I'm going to say, you know, it's like, that's like an interpretation. When I when you hear that, you just get angry. And you're like, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I'm getting pumped up. I'm getting hyped. Now I want a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> that's right. You know, it's about a chocolate chip cookie, man. It's, no, it's, but, a, it's, a, it's the baking recipe for a chocolate German cake. Chocolate German cake. Chocolate okay. German cake. I thought it was a chocolate chip cookie, but I mean, but I mean, there is like the perspective of it. You know that that actually when it happened, when I heard it, I was like, dude, that's powerful. Then I find out it's a recipe. I'm like, ah, got you. You know, but it, but it's the perspective. <laughs> Hashtag chippy. You know? Yeah. But that but that's how it is with with songs, and if that's how it makes you feel, that's how it makes. Well, you feel. and to take this back around to our very first topic, um. Maybe that's why singers don't get the help they need uh, when they do talk about their problems, because people interpret and then take whatever songs they hear and interpret it into their own perspective, their own life, and don't even think that that's coming from somewhere. And even if they do, they don't acknowledge that it could be an ongoing battle. Really, I don't think we should expect anybody to, for the music's sake. I think that maybe if you're close to that singer, family members, your coworkers, your bandmates, they maybe while you're recording go, hey, 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 Jonathan, uh, do you have a problem with your dad? You know, like maybe those are the people yeah. that need to step up. You know, uh, Chester's bandmates, but I don't think the general public should be uh, uh, expected to care to that degree or that familiarity. I don't think they're expected I to. I don't think they're expected to. But but yeah, but but I think that's one of the things with them as musicians and, and up on the platform. Everybody respects that and everybody loves it and everybody usually tends to look at those people as man, they had everything handed to them. They're they're doing so well for themselves. They don't they don't need help because you know, they, they can they can do whatever they want, you know, and, and they don't ask those questions for that. You know, they they want it, they want you to help me. Right. You know, I want that. I want that music to help me. I don't give a shit what it did to you. That's how the majority of of the normal everyday listener listens to a song. Yeah, they don't. They don't listen to it to see what affects them. The the singer or the band. They they look at it. How's that song going to help me today? You know, I got to listen to something heavy because I'm pissed off. So you uh, don't think about. Yeah, it's a problem. Well, no, the only thing I was going to say is like to that same point. Uh, the song Stan by Eminem kind of actually takes the viewer's perspective, ties it into his personal life, and then this is how he actually 
proceeds with what he thought was like the best um way to go about his relationship even though it ended up being completely toxic and taking it in his own route and then like you know the artist himself eminem through that song stan he's like yo this is actually the person that was on the news that actually killed himself that had his girlfriend in the trunk of his car yeah. um this is actually one of my fans and oh shit it was you and how they kind of like all wraps together you know yeah I, i'm curious how much that actually happens with actual musicians like how much do you actually bypass the problems of the people that you're connecting with you know because that that song is about like you know it, it has that whole well this guy's trying to be my friend and i'm not giving him the time of day because he loves my music he loves who i am but i'm not worried about him you know yeah but uh, like uh, from that point as well it's like it's not that he himself as the artist like if i were to take it into like their perspective from their shoes you know, this is one fan out of how many that I have reaching out to me. And then it's not that I'm ignoring them, but I've just got my own life and my own shit that I'm dealing with. And as I get to them as, you know, through my own personal time, then they felt that I was ignoring them. And then now they've gone off the bridge. So I actually love yeah. that you bring up that song because it, it, it brings into perspective something else. There's a separation between the, the, the musicians and the listeners. But I think the confusion comes in because the listener connects so much that they feel they know the musician, that they're, they're part of what the musician's going through, and the musician is part of what they're going through. Yeah. And so they feel that interconnectedness. It happens with movie stars all the time. People come up and act way too familiar. Well, that, and then when they die, I mean, look, look when, when, when actors and, and musicians die, Man, the world just drops in tears, you know. But your neighbor died two days ago, and you didn't even know it, yeah. you know, because they they're that connection. They feel that you are their family. You're you're part of them, and and that that's a true that's that's true as it can get, you know. Yeah, because they do they they do. Everybody gets so upset when you know. Dude, I was devastated when Chris Cornell, when Chester Bennington, you know Scott Weiland. That was my kind of you know in my my yeah. realm of music, you know. So I get really upset because I grew up listening to them. I grew up playing their music. So yeah. I felt connected to them through that music that when they passed, I was like, fuck, man. But the little old lady that passed away down the road, I, well, okay. I'm I read that in the, I read that in the paper and I was like, oh shit, she died. You know? So yeah, I can see that. And again, I think that also then breeds to that disc, that peak of the mountain, you know, it's just, it's a really bad cycle, and I think once you're in it, it's almost impossible to get out of it unless you leave the industry. You have to leave. You have to leave. Yeah, the industry. There's no play in the industry. You you either you're either there fully or you're not. You know, there's not many. You've got to be one of those. Uh, you got to be Eric Clapton. You got to be Prince. You know, you got to be somebody that's so fucking high. He's on, on the highest fucking mountain, you can do whatever the hell you want to do in the industry. Yeah. But that's, you can count that on two hands, you know. You there's, there's thousands and thousands of musicians, and probably 10 of them are allowed to do that. Yeah. Agreed. But I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. You could be a late bloomer. You could, you could be discovered oh, yeah. at 55. Man, I, I, what was it? Uh, wasn't Godsmack? Godsmack was 35, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think something, yeah. something like that. He was, was late. 
I'm a little bit older than that, but hey, whatever. Close yeah, enough. But you've already had your big shine. You just need your second comeback. Yeah. Yeah. And come whenever. There are people who go on America's Got Talent. <laughs> Did that shit. Did you? Personally, though, I, I think it's pretty fucking no, cool that you have your own venue to allow bands to like kind of explore themselves without as much scrutiny. Like, of course, you're looking at your bottom line because as a business owner, you have to. But if you have a little bit of leeway or since you're familiar with the industry and, you know, like, all right, fine. You're allowed or you're able to give, you know, maybe some up and comer. Just like that one bar in Warsaw that you talked about that only, like, played or that was socially acceptable to play, like, uh, avant-garde music or, like, something that people weren't familiar to. Just being able to have the ability to have that platform where other people can kind of push themselves and just be themselves instead of being cookie-cutter. You know, like, playing what's familiar and playing what's, like, top 40 or whatever. Um, I, I feel like that in and of itself is a unique and a personally, like, great position for all, all those other people that just want to be heard. Like, yeah. that's it. Even if they don't have the fans, even if they don't have the other people, but being able to be heard as they are, that's priceless. I got, I got to hear that story. So wait, <laughs> you, you auditioned for what? The Voice? America's Got That? What'd you... I did America's Got Talent, and I did uh, the X Factor. And and how hey. did you get very far with? No, no. I, I America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. I think it was America's Got Talent. It was me and me and my uh, my old drummer Dave Harris. If you remember him or not, but me and DW went up there, and I got I got pushed to the second round. Went in there, sang part of a song, and they were like, all right, man, good job, good job. We'll put you through the second round. So I had to go back the next day. And uh, it, was a, it was at some, like, field house or whatever in Chicago. And, hey, uh, Chicago, let's go. <laughs> I get in there, man, and they, they say, okay, go ahead and go back. So I walk back in the tent in the middle of, middle of the place, and they asked me what I was going to sing, and I told them I was going to sing, and I was doing... Um, I'm yours from Jason Mraz. Yeah. So, oh, it's one of my karaoke go-tos, but go ahead. That, but I, I think there's a karaoke version of me doing that on my Facebook. No. Down in Nashville, yeah. Oh, no. But, uh, but, I, but I, I go up to sing the song, man. I go, well, nope, we're done. That was it. I got well. You know, well, the song, well, you done done me a better. Did that first word. Well, nope. No, nope, we're done. Yeah, you didn't even get through the first sentence. Wow. They're just like, nope, no, next. I didn't. And I was, and I'm like, I waited around fucking nine hours so you could tell me no on my first word. I was so mad, but I was like, whatever. I, I kind of knew how it was going to go. You know, I knew I wasn't going to make it far because I don't have the, the R&B falsetto that every one of them always has. If you have that, you're going through. But, you know, even Daughtry, when he was big on the, the first, was America's Got Talent? I think it was whatever he was on. He was like the first rocker to get through there, but they still made him to to do that falsettos and uh, arpeggios or whatever the fuck they're called. So I knew I was going to make it. And then when I did the uh, X Factor and I walked into Chicago again and I sang my first line and they were like, thank you. We'll let you know. Never heard nothing back. Yeah. Fuck. Shit's rough. But you, you, you have to go through like 
I think you go through four different auditions before you actually go to the TV show. Wow. So it's, it, it, you go in there, you sing once in this group, and they were all kids. I'm going to tell you, they, like, the first, first table of judges that I sang to, this was probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I did that one with my brother. Me and my brother went and did it. But uh, here you're in a line of 10 people, and all 10 of you are, are auditioning. And you've got a table with four, they look like they were 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. And those were the judges that are judging me and my brother that have been doing it for 30 years, you know, 25 years. And I'm like, starting to play, you know, my brother's playing guitar and he's singing his. And they were like, okay, thank you. That's it. That's all I tell you. And they're the ones that are supposed to go back and tell the next set of judges, hey, we think these guys go through, so call these guys back. Wow. You know, you know, it's like, wait a minute, man. They, they, they're not even old enough to really know music. But they probably are grown up with, I don't know, Paul McCartney. Who that, knows? That, that, could, have been, that, could have been that they're, they're the target audience. They are the target audience. You know, and maybe you just, maybe, maybe too much white. <laughs> I wasn't white back then when I did it. <laughs> I'm, white, I'm, I'm white now. Why now? But yeah, I did those two. And uh, and my wife was like, you going to do another one? Because I think you can get it. You know, everybody used to hit online. And everybody's like, you should go. You should fill out, do the voice because they can't just turn you down. You still have to go through all the auditions to even get to the show. They're not just going to say, hey, fill out this paperwork and you get put on the show. Because you've never heard one bad singer on the voice. No, no. Because all... they, they got, they got, you know, they get auctioned or not auctioned, but uh auditioned out you know yeah and then auctioned on the stage yeah well yeah i mean it is it It is it is it is so so i was like nah, i'm not doing that shit again man i got too much going on especially if even if you make it you got to be gone for two three months and you got to be doing their show for a couple months and you're stuck there doing their practices and doing their shows and their routines and learning how to dance over here i was like fuck that i didn't try it though i'm too lazy for all that Dude, I was I even yeah. said it. I said if I get through there, if I get through on America's Got Talent or or uh, X Factor, I'm not dancing in a big group and doing some commercial with all these singers jumping around and doing like a X Factor song. No. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not because you see them, that's what they do. They like when you get down to the the last ten contestants, they always do like these songs together. They make like this really corny video that you well, I'm not doing that shit, man. I, Come on, I could see you in like, like nice yellow suit. I don't think I would. I don't think I would have worked out. We, uh, we had to let one of our contestants go because he told us to fuck ourselves. <laughs> it probably would have come to that if they were to try to make me do some of the shit they make you do. <laughs> it, it really is a young people's game for that. A young people's game, or somebody that doesn't have a job, or somebody that doesn't have things that they have to do care about yeah you know i mean if, if if you've got like me i have a house and i have a wife two kids i have a house i can't leave for two months and do your show yeah i gotta i gotta work i gotta stay here and work i can't sit in california and wake up one day and go you know go practice with tom petty right yeah, you know, and then the even next day, that's a practice of a lifetime. It's just yeah. Even though it, it, Tom Petty wanted to practice, I'd tell my kid to fuck yourself. <laughs> it would have, it, it would have been, a, yeah, it would have been great, but you just can't do that. 
Yeah. You are babysitting yourself, yeah. Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah. Tom Petty. <laughs> uh, speaking of kids, how old are your kids? 26 and 23. So Please. they were they were still in the house, still young kids when you were in surface, doing all your stuff, out all the time. How did that affect raising kids? I mean, you, you hear all the things about movie stars and musicians not being absentee, but I know you. You love your kids. You try to do the time. I'm sure it was hard. How did that affect? It was it was very hard, but I wasn't that I wasn't in that stardom. I wasn't I wasn't in that type of playing field. You know, our tours. I, I you really probably came to call a tour, but I mean it's a tour. But the longest one I was on was three weeks. Oh really? Um, yeah, I didn't go out for. I, I would go out for like it was three weeks. I went to we we did a uh, California run. So you play on the way out, you played up and down the coast a little bit, and then we went home. They did that for three weeks. And then maybe two months later, we would go to Kentucky and, and spend the weekend in Kentucky and play two or three shows in Kentucky. You know, so, I mean, everything was kind of done in groups. I didn't do, like, long stints. Yeah. And, I, shit, I held a job for 17 years, you know, in the beginning. So I was, I was a supervisor of a, a vending machine shop. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I did that and they would let me go. Like I'd have my vacation for the, you know, the year I had three weeks vacation time. So I spent my three weeks playing music and touring and running around touring with the guys. But it was, like I said, like one week I'd go and say, okay, we're going to go up to, uh, we're going to play in Wyoming, you know, so I'd, I'd get a run of shows to Wyoming and run of shows back and we'd be gone for three or four days, maybe tops, you know. We did a thing with three pill morning and we were gone for four or five days then. Uh, I, we did a small little run with Flaw that we were just, we just jumped on a couple of their shows. We didn't actually tour with them. We just, you know, but st- that's the kind of stuff I did. So I was always home. You know, I, 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 I did, I did their T-ball, you know, right. coached little league, you know, I went to all their birthdays. We, we I, so I wasn't gone from all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot of things I did miss. I missed some stuff when I was gone for those weeks, but it was little stuff. Like, and and I never set anything up around like my kid's birthday. If there was my my kid's birthday, that you know, I made sure I didn't didn't run it because I was our I was our booking in. I did the booking and management, so I could set my own schedule. It's kind of like the bar. It's easy when you're in charge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So forever yeah. the consummate like family man, but you know, you also had your hobbies, which kept you. Very much in tune with the music scene. I mean, very yeah. busy. You're a very busy guy. It, 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 I am now, and I was then. Yeah, and I'm sure... I can't sit, I can't sit still with it, um, man. You know, I gotta... But with the music, though, it was, just, it was nonstop. It was, if I wasn't at home with my kids and my wife, I was out. You people, know? people ask me all the time how I do so much. And, and I say, that's because I live my life in I I count the minutes it takes me to get somewhere. I know where I'm at at any given time, and in my day, I don't I don't wander around. I don't you know even yeah. on my day off. You can't you, you can't when you got something as specific as that. You know they, I mean I know a lot of a lot of musicians that I know man they're just lazy as fuck. You know and it just comes well because they're just the players in the band. They don't do the side work. They don't do the hustle. You know, I used to fight with my band all the time because I did all the booking. I did all the management. I talked to all the managers. I was the one that went to the lawyers' meetings. I was the one that paid for the van. I'd, so when it came down to really doing business, 
it was me just calling the other guys saying, hey, be there on Thursday. Yeah, you were pretty much the man, the like the glue that held everything together. Yeah. So, so they never had to really do it, you know. And and there's so many people like that. They're just they don't even try, you know, which sucks. Uh, my guys were always cool, you know. They they would load up, they load, they tear down, they would load in. Man, they pick me up, they cart me around. Shit, we'd go on we go on a tour, and I I don't think I ever drove. Wow. My my bass player was scared to death of everybody, so he drove everything. So we we accommodated things. I made the phone calls. He drove, you know. I I did the bookings over here. My guitar player paid for a lot of equipment, you know. So I mean, we did our things, but but yeah, yeah. All the pieces are needed. All the pieces yeah. were done. I just did all the I did all the stuff that took a lot of, you know, because I had the most time to kind of kill at home, just sit there on the computer and fuck around. I was one that was always home because I had the kids. None of the right. other guys had kids, so I was I was always at home doing something, but but it didn't really affect too much. I mean, I love my daughter, but I'm I'm waiting for all the kids to be out of the house. I'm sure it's nice that your kids are gone, right? Well, we were empty nesters for a while, man. My son just moved back in. Oh no! But no, him and his buddy were renting a place, and that that's about under. And we we have a small place that we had purchased right outside of Pearson, right by my bar. Mm -hmm. so i bought this it's a shithole i bought it for fifteen thousand dollars wow i'm gonna rip the fucker yeah, apart yeah i bought the price cost of a car or less yeah. yeah but i bought that and i said all right we're gonna rip it apart and that's where my boy's gonna live so that way he's not stuck in my house <laughs> i like it you know i like having my kids around though my daughter built a house right next to me so i got my daughter right next door to me and my son with me which is cool i love my kids and i, I try and spend as much time as possible but but when they become adults and you're an adult, it's just too close, too close, and, you know. And, and he he moved back in with it, you know, and he comes in with his buddies, you know, and me and my wife are sitting there watching TV, just kind of relaxing because you know we just we didn't get home till four in the morning or five in the morning from the bar, you know, and and all of a sudden they're starting laughing in the bedroom and they're all fucked up and drunk or whatever. It's like oh my. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> these patients from the bar followed me home. Fuck. Yeah. Well, my stepdaughter's a, a waitress um, at a bar, yeah. and, uh, you know, she'll come in at like three in the morning, and I got to be to work at 8 15, and she's got to be up, and, you know, it's like, we love you. Go to fucking bed. Yeah. Yeah. No, they never sleep at that age. I don't think I did either. I didn't. Yeah. I still barely do. I'm, I only sleep like five hours a night. Man, I, I'm old, okay? So. Man, I piss five times a night. I swear to God, I do. And every All time right. I get up, I, I could get up at, at six in the morning to take a piss, and my son's still up watching watching TV. Oh I'm my like, God. God damn, kid. It is for sad heart that me, AG from the future, has to step in here and let you fantastic listeners know that as much as we tried, we had to cut a major segment out of the podcast around this part. This is because Jared and Hatter picked up their guitars and began jamming it to songs. And I've since been informed by Spotify's legal team that we cannot leave it in. I do sincerely apologise from the bottom of my heart. However, we hope to have a Patreon set up real soon when you'll be able to find the entire 20 minute long cover session of Jared and Hatter, among other perks like bonus episodes, behind the scenes footage, blooper reels and more. Of course, as always, we will announce it in a future episode when it is live, or you can always join our Discord at bit.ly forward slash madladsdiscord to not only find out as soon as it's up, but also hang out with us and other listeners. 
I'm so sorry once again, and thanks for understanding. Remember, the mad lads still love you. Now, on to the continuation of the episode. Yeah, I do. I have one other thing. I want to thank Jared Pagan. No, thank you. Oh, yo. Thank you guys for having me on, man. Jared, you've been a fucking pleasure. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show in the future if you're down for it. Like, I, I would Absolutely. love to talk to you again. No, maybe yeah. maybe we'll catch up in like a year, have you back on a year and see if we have uh, anybody can top your interview. This is like the best first <laughs> interviewer ever. Right on, man. Yeah. Right on. I agree. With that, yeah. Maybe next time we'll tell, next time I'll tell you my stories. Oh, I want to hear some. I got some good story. We were like we were saying before, you know. I got some good van stories. Well, yeah, we'll have we'll have a session just for van stories. We'll have a story time with Jared. Yeah, yeah, we got some good ones. (laughs) So uh, let's go ahead and plug ourselves, starting with our guest. Uh, What? Tell us any of the camera views. Like what's going on? What you're currently doing? If you got something that you want to go ahead and promote, now's your opportunity. Got a. Got my bar, Pearson, Indiana, bar 13. Check it out. It's a good place, man. If you want entertainment, come in for the entertainment. Come in for the food, the atmosphere. It's awesome. It's just a good, chill place to go. Um, I also got my music coming coming up. I got some new stuff that I am writing, working with a, a, a producer named Mike Bailey out in Arkansas. And Renata Rio out of out of Fort Wayne, putting, putting together a song. Got a couple other songs that I could probably put up on on the, some of the platforms, man, I need to get my ass on that. But yeah, but that's all. Just playing music and running a bar. All right, are you going to be posting oh, anywhere on social media where they can find that new music, uh, like a Facebook or a? Once I get this song done with her, then yeah, they'll, it'll be up on the SoundCloud and and uh, probably I'm guessing probably on iTunes and things like that. We'll we'll try and get so it on. For the our listeners, when I get that information, I will be posting it uh, to our Discord. Remember, you can come join our Discord um, and click it. We'll give you that information in just a moment. But as yeah. soon as I have that, I will post that and we will show you where to find Jared's music. And you can look me up on on YouTube, Jared Pagan. Just look up my channel on 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 me, and I got all kinds of cover acoustic stuff. And then you can look the surface stuff up too. It's like that stuff's all on YouTube. So. And for the Discord, that link is bit.ly forward slash the Mad Lads Discord. And every individual letter's got its capitalization just because it is case sensitive. So the Mad Lads Discord. Or you Come can do it all lowercase as well. I've managed to add that to it. So. Oh, you, you added that to it? Oh, good. All right, why don't we go with uh, Mr. A.G.? Yes, sir. Put your, put your stuff out there. Right, well, I mean, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash A.G. Developer. I basically try and stream every day when I can, um, getting wasted playing games, all that good stuff. <laughs> um, Ever since I'm the wasted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to get my son to find you, man, if you're getting wasted playing video games. Oh, yeah, it's a lot Hell of fun. Yeah. I don't remember much of it, but... I think that's fun. <laughs> yeah, and for most of our listeners out there, uh, we are definitely 18 plus. You know, the podcast is advertised for 16 plus just because uh, we do cuss and we swear and, you know, it we happens. We fucking mean it, yeah. Exactly, we fucking mean it. Um, for myself, you can find me on Twitch. This is Click It at uh, twitch.tv forward slash click it x click it x just because uh, I need to stand out from the crowd. So X, click it, X, uh, click it. Um, come and check me out. Or on Twitter, it's going to be at 
T-H-E-O, like Theo, like Theodore, R-U-L-E-Z. And you can definitely find me there. Now, if you find me on any of those platforms, just understand, like I've said time and time again, 18 plus, uh, just because of the content and what I share. Uh, go ahead, Matt Hatter. You've got the show. You can find me uh, at the usual places, uh, Twitch ba- uh, TV backslash Matt Hatter and all one word. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Hatter Durant. Um, and all of my stuff is ages 80 and below. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're above 80 you can't listen <laughs> and yeah for I'll anyone give, I'll, give, um, I'll give you a heart attack yeah for anyone watching the video podcast as well which is exclusive on spotify you will see our links and stuff like that popping up um, in places um during it so you can always find us through there and just again guys jared thank you fucking awesome for, for coming Good out here you guys man thank you we had a lot of fun listeners. Remember, we will see you next Friday. Until then, be safe, be cool. We love you all. And this is going to take us to the end of our flight. Remember, fasten those seatbelts, put those trade tables up. Let's go. Take care, guys. Woo! As we come into approach, I want to thank you for flying with Mad Lads. Uh, we have enjoyed your company. And we wish you well on your journey through life. We hope to see you again at the Mad Lads Podcast.